This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Hey guys, how are we? Uh, Arnaldo here. I'm one of the pastors at Anchor Church Sydney and also lead our Southwest uh, launch team as we set out to plant a new church even in the middle of this pandemic of COVID-19. And I lead that with my wife Catherine and we want to just extend a super warm welcome to you. Particularly if this is your first time with us, uh, there are few ways that you can connect with us. One is through one of the digital connect cards. Our MC, our host would have uh, cued you to that. Uh, but also afterwards there's going to be either a virtual morning tea or a prayer time where we can gather and put some of what we are learning into practice. And we've been in the middle of this uh, Lord's Prayer series for the past few weeks now because we have been stirred to pursue a life of prayer, to pursue a life of communion and friendship with God. We want to be a community of people who do whatever it takes to bring the wayward home. And home means friendship with God, a people being deeply shaped by the good news of Jesus. And simply put, that's just not going to happen apart from prayer. And as we've walked through this series, there have been two major anchors for us. One is this, that uh, we believe that the church moves forward on its knees. I want to remind you of that today, that through scripture, through our our Christian history over 2,000 years, we have seen, and and even in our own history, in our our own uh, ways of being and, and being the church, that we have seen God move as we pray. And the church moves forward on its knees, not simply through planning or strategy, as important as those things are to us. But we also want to see a community of people whose entire days are shaped by the scriptures. Simply put, I want to remind you of this, that if we want to progress in the journey of faith, we need to set regular rhythms of spending uninterrupted time in the presence of God, as well as allowing those times to shape the rest of our times, our days, our hours, our minutes, as we invite the Holy Spirit to awaken us, to awaken you to his ever presence. He is with you. He is nearer to you than you are to yourself. And so we are eager to continue along this prayer, this paradigm of prayer that Jesus has given us. And today we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew 6, 11, which is seven simple words. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day, our daily bread. And so as we seek to uh, sort of extract meaning from that and, and how we shape our life around this text, let me pray and then we will jump straight into it. Father, we thank you again for your goodness to us. We thank you that you're here with us wherever we are. Uh, we thank you that you are not only near to us, but that you are for us, you are good for us and that you, you say good things of us. And that whatever is true now of the Son is true of us. You call us your beloved sons and daughters. And we thank you that we get to participate in the divine life of the Trinity. And I pray now, Lord, that you would help me to forget the things that are not going to be helpful for your people. And that you would help me to remember the things that will be. We pray that you would draw people near now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And so we're going to be jumping into the next petition of the Lord's prayer. But before we do that, I want to take you on a bit of a journey of of where we have been. Matt took us through what it means 
to keep God's name holy a few weeks ago? What does it look like to honor his reputation as special above all others? What, is, what does that look like? And then he, he helped us to think about what it looks like for the kingdom to come. For, you know, when we pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done, that we are his agents of his purposes in this world, that we would enact God's will for goodness and beauty and justice. And today, this petition takes a slightly different turn. I want you to notice that the, the previous few petitions really focus and they zero in on God. It's, it's your name be hallowed. It's uh, your will be done. It's your kingdom come. And today, Jesus is going to give us the next set of petitions, and, and they take a bit of a, of a turn where they actually, uh, we actually start praying for things that we need, that we need from God, that we need from God, from, from him, his forgiveness, his provision, his uh, fighting for us against spiritual evil, whether that's within us or outside of us. Uh, but this is a, the, the really important thing to, to realize is that we don't ask for anything from God until we have our priorities in place, where our priorities is that his purposes and his reputation and his glory would be lifted up. And out of that, we then ask for what we need. And it's only at that point that we can ask for what we need. And I want to remind you of a few weeks ago that your father knows what you need before you ask in Matthew 6, 8. He knows what you need. And so I want to walk us through really, really quickly a few reflections as we try to embody this truth. And I'm sure there's going to be a thousand things that we can think about coming out of these very uh, simple seven words of give us this day our daily bread. But I want to highlight three postures that we can assume that we take upon ourselves as the people of God so that we can live prophetically for the good of our city and for the reputation of our God. And these three are this are these dependence, community, and simplicity. And the reason why these three postures, dependence, community, and simplicity are so integral to our witness is because they are so countercultural. And when we think about things being countercultural, counter we, we think of simply uh, them being against culture, almost uh, uh, for, for the bad of culture. But we, we assume these postures not, not to be against culture, but to be for it, to be agents of transformation in it. Yes, we may feel as aliens in a strange land, and we don't do this to condemn culture, but to be agents of a, an attractive salvation in Christ for it. And we do this. We, we, we show what it looks like to live under the kingdom of God. We, we do this to show what it looks like to live under Jesus as a king as a ruler, as a big brother, as God, as our father. And, and we do this because we, we were made for this. These are the kinds of lives we were created to live. And these postures help us uh, because they, they, they really put, up, put us up against what is often a consumeristic, a self-centered, an overly indulgent culture. And they're so necessary if we're gonna represent God to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family, and to our enemies. And so the first one that we're gonna be looking at is dependence. And particularly, it's gonna be dependence up against a culture of radical self 
sufficiency. Now, I'm not sure I need to work too hard to, to prove this point. You've seen it, you've heard it, you've sung it. The idea that human flourishing depends on happiness, happiness, human flourishing depends on what we find within us. That the key to happiness is to look within, to, to speak your truth, to be true to yourself. We, we've heard it all, you know, we've heard it all, we've, we've sung it all, we've been through it all, many of us still uh, believe it all. And the idea is that we don't need to depend on anyone else. And this flies right against the face of the very first word of this prayer. Give. Give. This, this one word, give, recalibrates our hearts toward reality. The reality that this, that we have always been and always will be dependent upon something outside of ourselves for our flourishing and for our happiness and for our formation. Wesley Hill, in his great little book on the Lord's Prayer, he says this. He says, unless a parent or guardian provides milk for a baby, the infant will die. According to Jesus, that remains our true condition into our adulthood, whether we are conscious of it or not. Were God to withdraw his nourishment from us, we would not just slowly shrivel, but immediately cease to exist. And that's why, listen, that's why one of the most sacred and vulnerable places is the dinner table. Because we are screaming with our whole bodies that there is something outside of us that we need for sustenance. And, and, and something as simple as food, something we need outside of us, and yet we think that the deeper things like meaning and love and flourishing could be found within. Food, this has to come from outside of ourselves, and it declares that we need something from outside that doesn't come from within. And so, you know, and, and so even when we think about food and, and here Jesus is going to ask us to ask for bread, uh, when we think about something like a loaf of bread, how do we get a loaf of bread? Let's just stop for a moment and reverse engineer this thing. So you go to Woolies, you go to aisle three and you purchase the loaf of bread. Now you had to go to work to earn a paycheck to do that. You finished your degree in order to get that job. You were supported by your parents or self-funded somehow, or you received a scholarship to get yourself through college or university. You were born in a very particular place in the world where such education was even available. You were born. And yet we often think that all the way through, the reason why I have food on my table is because I did it because I've worked hard, because I've earned an education. But I, I want you to think for a moment. You had, you had uh, little choice in where you were born. You had no choice where you were born and to the parents whom you were born to. You had zero choice uh, as to, to the kind of neighborhood that you were going to live and grow up in. You often couldn't even really choose your friends because your friends were the ones who were closest to you. You couldn't choose your family and you don't give yourself the energy to get up and go to work. You didn't give yourself the cognitive ability to get through school and high school and university to be able to have earning capacity. This is the point. You didn't give your ability to do any of that. You are so incredibly, right now, you are so incredibly dependent on forces outside of yourself, and yet we often think, I did it. And we are trained we are trained to, to, to think this way. And yet this word, give, 
helps us to stop, helps us to remember that we are intricately and intimately connected with the world outside of ourselves. Give. And this engenders in us humility. So as we depend on God for the basic necessities of food and and the way God works through all of creation to, to bring about that bread onto our tables, we remember that we are wholly dependent on God. And that engenders in us humility. And so for a culture that is mired in self-sufficiency, this is a, a beautiful picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But the second one is, is community. And it's particularly community in, in, in a culture of expressive individualism. Again, I'm not sure if I have to fight too hard to convince you of this, but because, you know, we, we, love, we love the idea of community. But as soon as things get hard, as soon as we need to sacrifice a comfort or a part of ourselves for the sake of community, uh, we often run the other way. If we have to have a hard conversation or if uh, a particular felt need of ours isn't met by a community, we, we slip through the back door. And expressive individualism is this. It's the idea that the individual is supreme and holds the center of gravity. And community in, in this framework is good, maybe even encouraged, only if, only if it allows you to express your individuality. Let me recite to you some, some lyrics, some famous lyrics. I'm going to re- try very hard to not sing this uh, and thereby expose my inability to do that. But let, let, me, let me just read these out to you to show you how uh, this idea of expressive individualism is, is embryonic in even the things that we don't, you know, that we don't realize they're in. It's funny how some distance makes everything seem small. And the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I am free. Let it go. Let it go. And she goes on, right? And we think, oh, no, they're even getting to our kids. Our babies are learning from the youngest of ages that the way to happiness is primarily found from being radically free from others in our own autonomy. But this text paints a different picture with just a couple words, us and our. Jesus isn't just giving us a paradigm of prayer for ourselves. We don't pray Give me my daily bread. We pray this. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. And so not only does this prayer help us to realize our dependence and therefore uh, sort of create humility in us, but also uh, it helps us to uh, assume the posture of community and, and therefore engendering generosity in us. That we pray for our bread We were made by community, that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we were made for community. And here this text helps us to assume that posture, that prophetic posture that we will sacrifice for our community, that we will give of ourselves to a people being formed by God for the sake of the world. And so the third countercultural posture that this text asks us to take is this, it's simplicity. And it's simplicity, particularly up against a culture of affluence. And we, this, is, this is what we are swimming in 
the most. A culture of excess, a culture of, of always just a little bit more. What, what's gonna make me happy if I just made just 10% more than what I make? If my house was just a little bigger, if I had just the new model, then I would, I would be happy. And we give ourselves to this vision of this life, of, of, of this good life that says if I had a little bit more, not realizing that if you live in the Western world and you have running water, you are living like a king and a queen. Jesus doesn't ask us here to pray for dates and honey and milk and steak and Tim Tams and caviar, all things which are not wrong and are fine to pray for. But I think something else is happening here. He's asking us to pray for bread, for one of the most basic food groups, as it were, one of the most basic things, a bit of flour and some yeast and some water. And that is what we need, one of the most basic necessities. And even as we pray for that, we know that God has given us so much. He's not stingy. And we're called to follow suit, to be equally generous as God is generous. Adele Calhoun, in one of, the most, one of my most favorite books, on a spiritual discipline, she says this about simplicity. Simplicity cultivates the great art of letting go. Simplicity aims at loosening inordinate attachment to owning and having. And simplicity brings freedom and with it, generosity. And this has got to be one of the most incredibly prophetic practices for us as we live in one of the most affluent societies human history has ever known. What would it look like for a community to find its joy and its contentment in Christ and not our circumstances? Even this week in gospel communities, you'll be asked to open up your cupboards and to take stock of what you have and to give thanks to God for what you have. This is not a, a guilt-inducing practice, but it's a practice that we, we hope that we pray will induce generosity in you. What does it look like for a community to declare with Paul that we are content in whatever situation we find ourselves in? That we would judge our circumstances by God and not God by our shifting circumstances. Paul says this in the book of Philippians, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in every and in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I want you to notice something there. It's interesting that what Paul doesn't say alone is that he needs help, that he's learned the secret of contentment when he's hungry. But he also had to learn the secret of contentment when he's full. He also learned, he also needed to learn the secret of contentment when there was abundance not only when there is need. And so we pray that this prayer, these seven words, give us this day our daily bread would so move us towards practicing simplicity and therefore creating in us generosity. And so the last thing here to notice, oh, not the last thing, but the last thing we're gonna notice here today uh, from uh, Matthew 6:11 is that we are called to assume a posture of simplicity in a culture of affluence. And so uh, we looked at dependence, we looked at community, and, and we looked at uh, now simplicity. And we pray and we hope as we continue to work this 
through, to, to massage this uh, paradigm of prayer into our hearts and into our lives, that we would truly be shaped by the good news of Jesus, that he is enough for us and that we are called into this relationship with a father who knows what we need even before we ask him. But maybe you're still on the fence. Maybe you don't, you know, you're just checking uh, Jesus out for now. Maybe this is all new to you and you're deciding whether you want to commit your life to Jesus or not. Maybe you don't even know what the next step is, but let me encourage you uh, that the next step is simply to believe in the good news that Jesus is King, that Jesus has come into the world, that the, the, the man, the God-man who gave us his prayer had, has come into the world to defeat Satan, sin, and death, and offers you his work now as your own. You know, this picture that I painted about a community that is uh, dependent on God and, and, and therefore humble, this community that is uh, about a community and, and is therefore, uh, uh, you know, self-sacrificial and, and, and gives itself to other people, this community, I, I wonder if it's even possible. I wonder if, if you wonder if it's even possible. And imagine if there were a group of people that instead of boasting in themselves, they were dependent on God and humble. Imagine a people who created a community that didn't just use community for its own ends and, and to, you know, as a gain or just to express themselves, but who used the community as a way to be generous. Imagine if we didn't feel that we needed to keep up with the Joneses. When every single thing, new toy that drops, we have the constant urge to buy. And, and the only way that this is possible is through the good news of Jesus. That, that, that God himself created everything good. And that we are fallen. But that because he loves us, not in order to love us. You, you, you got to get that right. That Jesus didn't die on the cross in order to sort of change the way he felt about us. That Jesus dying on the cross was the expression that God was already favorably disposed toward us. And yet our sin was in the way and he defeated sin in the person of Jesus. And so Jesus dies in essence uh, to, 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 to defeat sin and to put death to death. And now he invites us into his life. And so my prayer for you today is that you would come and you would accept the gift of life offered to you free of charge because of what Jesus has done, that you are loved. That even as you have turned away from him, even as you have been wayward and you have walked away from him, you are loved. You are pursued even now. This is God pursuing you now. He loves you and he wants you to come home. And so I pray wherever you are that you would come home to him now. And if you are following Jesus, that you would press into this, that you would press into your relationship with him, that you would know that he wants to be your friend. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. We thank you for Matthew, who, who, who uh, wrote this down for us. We thank you that you give us a way to pray, Lord, that you don't leave us to our own devices. We thank you you've given us a way to be dependent. Give. We thank you that you've given us a way to enter into community. Give us. 
We thank you that we that you have given us a way to enter into the practice of simplicity. Give us our daily bread, the most basic of needs. And we thank you and we love you for who you are for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Family, go out. We're going to sing together now. We are going, uh, or maybe not go out, maybe you still need to stay in. Uh, but we're going to sing together. We're going to take communion together. And I, I just pray that you would know this, this week that you are the beloved of God, that he is with you, that he is for you, he is around you, he is inside of you. He is uh, always near, nearer to you than you are to yourself. Bless you.